This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. Good to be back with you again, teaching on the moving of the Spirit. And uh, it's a whole lot in the lesson today. Like more I studied, the more the Lord gave me. So I don't know if I'll get through this whole lesson today, but we'll <laughs> do as much as we can. I was a little bit late getting them the scriptures back there, but I'm sure they'll do their best to get up. But if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. We had started down from Genesis and going down through the Bible, covering some of the major events of the, of the Spirit, moving of the Spirit. And just as a review, we saw the Holy Spirit as the wind. We saw the Spirit of God as strength come upon mightily on Samson. We saw the Spirit of God descend as a form of a dove. <clears throat> and then last time I taught, we saw the Holy Spirit as the comforter. And truly those, those, all of those things that represented the Holy Spirit and some of the things he, he is doing and has done in the past are very important. And today's lesson is no different. Today is the Holy Spirit as wind and fire. Or Holy Spirit as wind and fire. So we want to kind of set the uh, background to Acts chapter 2. So we go to Acts chapter 1 and give you the idea of what Jesus was doing right before he ascended back up to heaven. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6, let's go to verse number, well, let's, let's back up to verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, meaning the disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So that verse tells us a couple of things, that he doesn't want them to leave Jerusalem. He wants them to stay in that vicinity there. And that they, while they're staying in that vicinity, they are to wait for something that he has been talking about, telling them about. And that, that, that thing that he's telling them about is the promise of the Father. And of course, we know that the Holy Spirit was going to come on the scene here in just a little bit. So Jesus is reminding them, don't go anywhere. And of course, we'll find out how the Lord is working all of that out for them to be at that particular place and the people that were involved there as well. Verse number five, for John truly baptized with water. You remember we, we taught on John. We talked about how John had disciples and John did the, the work of baptizing in water. And then the day that he looked up and saw Jesus coming, and he actually, Jesus wanted to be baptized of John. Of course, John didn't feel worthy of that, which I understand that. But it was necessary, once again, for people to see what was taking place. But look here what it says in verse 5. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In fact, he said just a little while, a few days here. 
We're going to have something special going on. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive, look at this, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. So the whole reason that he's stressing that they be where they're supposed to be is that when the Holy Ghost comes on the scene, that it will empower them and they will be the witnesses that they are going to need to be as well. Verse 9, and the important thing is this. This, you know, think about how the importance of this. We always talk about when someone passes away in our family, and many times we hang on to the last words that they said to us. And we often say, man, this is, this is the last thing that, that they said to me before they passed. Well, this is the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended back up into heaven. Notice what it said. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld him, he was taking up and a cloud received him out of his sight. So that tells me it was very important, the words that Jesus said and the things that are going to take place. So today we're going to look at this Acts chapter 2, and I hope to really try to explain some things to you and really help you see some great things in here. And I tell you, it's just so much when we think about what the Holy Spirit can do in your life and my life. So Acts chapter 2, let's read through verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house and they were, that they were where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. When, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia, <clears throat> and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontius, and Asia, Phygara, and Phapampla, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. They were from all over the known earth. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue and the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, 
I will pour out my, flesh, my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in, the, in those days my spirit, and they shall <coughs> prophesy. So let's get into what happened here. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, right before his ascension that we saw back in, in chapter 1, the Lord has given his disciples instructions. And he says, I want you to remain in Jerusalem, and you're doing it for a purpose. You're going to receive the gift of the advocate, the spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever, however you want to say it. And what is it going to do? It's going to help them from that point forward to give and do the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. And so you got to realize the disciples didn't know what faced them ahead. They, you know, we don't, we don't know what, what tomorrow holds for each of us. But we do know this. We do know that there is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. We do know we live in a sinful world that's full of wickedness. We do know that the devil is on the rampage, doing all he can do. And so we need help. Amen. We need help. And that help comes from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they needed at this particular point. They were going to be sent out, as the Bible says, sheep among wolves. They were going to be persecuted. They, they were going to have all these things happen to them as disciples. But they also needed to reach the masses and the multitudes with the gospel message. And so in order to effectively reach people, in order to plant the seed, water the seed, they needed the Spirit to lead and guide them and help them do that. Do you think we still need the same thing today? Amen. We, we are facing a world where we go out and we don't know who we're going to run in contact with and what they're going to say and do to us. But we do know this, we have the Spirit leading and guiding us we have the Word of God that we've hid in our heart. And all of these things are going to work together. And as we go out and as we face the world, pray as you go out, Holy Spirit, help me, lead me, guide me today. And He will do that. And they needed that as well. Now, as we think about Acts chapter 2, we're told that on this glorious day, when the wind and the fire became a very big part of it, the Spirit was going to fill the hearts of these people, 120, the Bible says, and not only were they going to be able to speak many languages that they never learned, but they were going to be empowered to do great miracles. You know, Jesus said at one point, and, you know, I, I have so many scriptures that I could have put in here today for this lesson, but for sake of time, I just can't turn to every one of them. But for so many of these things that were going to take place with the disciples, I think the scriptures even say, you will do these and greater things. Well, how in the world is that possible? Through the Spirit, leading us and helping us and empowering us to do that. So they would do 
many things for the Lord after he ascended back to heaven. And the, the, the Bible says that the people were added to the church daily. I like that. What do you think about today? That you think our churches, people should be added daily to our, to our churches today? Amen. That's why we're so excited when we see visitors come in. We're so excited when we see folks come to the altar and want to join the church. Folks that raise their hand and said they asked the Lord to save them. These are exciting things that we should long for and look for. And the, the sad part about it is this, and I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. There are many believers in our churches today that will hold service after service after service. And did you know they'll never see a soul raise their hand? They'll never see someone come to the altar. In fact, they're probably not even an invitation given. And the, the thing is, there'll be no baptismal services. And if there is baptismal service, was it meaningful? Did that person get saved? Or did they just come up and say, I want to be baptized and thought that that was going to save them? You see, our churches today have a lot of religious activities going on in our buildings. But where is the power? Where is the fruit? Where is those things? We should long for the power of God to fall in our churches. Fall upon people. Fall upon the minister. Fall upon you and me. Fall upon the singing. Every, all of it. And see the fruit that's going to take place. So, I, you know, someone may say, <clears throat> well, that raises the question. Was the day of Pentecost a one-time event? Or we too can be clothed with the Holy Spirit's power to effectively go and make disciples of all nations. It's not a one-time event. And we'll talk about what happened that day there, but what happened after that day. You see, the one-time event for you and me is when we get saved, when the Holy Spirit comes in. He's in there to stay. He's sealed up. We're sealed. But then the everyday walk with Christ, we need that Spirit's power. We need that filling. That's why we come back on Wednesday night, why we come back every Sunday. We want to be fed spiritually. We want the Spirit of God to be working in our life. And it stirs up that. And that's what we need. So <clears throat> the difference, what makes the difference between a Christian who is progressing and one that's regressing or standing still, what makes the difference in that? <clears throat> because we know God is working every day. God continues to work. He wants to work in our lives every day. But are we asking for him to help us every day? Are we receiving the things that he wants us to receive in our life? Because in this chapter, we not only see what happened during the original day of Pentecost, but we need to understand that it requires a daily walk with the Lord, talking with the Lord, and letting that power of God work in our life, letting the Holy Spirit move us and guide us and lead us in our churches today. And it's so sad to see these beautiful buildings when you ride up and down the road and then wonder 
if there's ever been a soul saved in that church, or is it just a social gathering place? I know, and the pastor know, we've talked about this, we've had people come in and say, I've never heard anything like that preached in my church at all. I've never heard a song of invitation in my church. Isn't that sad? And can you imagine how the Holy Spirit feels not being able to work in that church and reach people and see some great things taking place? You know, we, we can have a social gathering in any kind of building, but this is the Lord's house. This has been dedicated to the Lord. This is where the presence of the Lord is going to be here. So we're looking for some marvelous and great things to take place. And so we, we come to this verse 1, go back to verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, because we see some things in here that we need to remember. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with what? One accord. That means together. Not only were they in the same place, and it wasn't a few scattered over this way and over that way, but they had all gathered. And if you remember when we back in chapter one, they were actually not standing around eating and drinking and having a social time talking about things. They were praying. They were seeking to something that the Lord said is coming. So they were in one accord, one place, and it was a special time. It was the day of Pentecost. And that's what I want to touch on first of all, the day of Pentecost. Receiving this gift that Jesus promised would come to them. What kind of day was it? It was, and Danny taught on these festivals and these, and these feasts. Festival known in late Judaism as Pentecost. It was the second of three great annual festivals. The Jewish people got its name because it was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. That's what Pentecost means, 50. So it's a time of celebration. Once again, stick with me how God worked this out. What happens at a feast? People come from all around. What happens at this special time? People from every nation. I've already read you all these people, different people's names, where, they, where they're from. Why is it important that all these people come? Because God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they, want, they needed to hear something that was going to take place. And not something they didn't understand, but they were going to hear it in their own language. And things were going to begin to move. So let's talk about it. While early Hebrew Aramaic speaking Jews knew the celebration also as the Feast of Weeks or the Day of the First Fruits, it represented or celebrated the first fruits of the green harvest. It's interesting too, it's later on was celebrated as the anniversary of the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments on Sinai. Now, was that an important time? You better believe it. That began the Old Testament time where they knew exactly what they could do and could not do because here's the law. It's been given by God, wrote by His finger. 
And there it is. So a very important time that they can relate to and remember, no wonder it's very fitting that here they are over here in the new covenant and it's going to be celebrated once again as coming from the Lord, this power, this spirit for them to move forward to reach more people for Christ. So on this Jewish holiday, many, many pilgrims from all over the known world will come in to the holy city of Jerusalem. So we not only have the 120 there in the upper room that Jesus said, go back and stand there, get there, wait, pray, seek, wait on me. But you have all of these other people from all of these other uh, nations coming in from around about into that area as well. So it's very appropriate that this event took place now, at that time, and it's going to shake the gospel to the ends of the earth. And people are going to be able to be reached for Christ. So while what happened on this celebration day did not begin the church as a body because it already existed at this time, but the difference was this, it was going to be empowered. It was going to be ready to go forward and need these, these people, these disciples needed this power to continue on. So a great thing is going to take place. So here they are, day of Pentecost, one accord, one place, and then verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So we find here the first sign that something's taking place. They're, they're, they're praying, they're waiting, they're in one accord, then all of a sudden, it wasn't the wind blowing in the building, but it was the sound of the wind. <clears throat> I, I don't know if you can relate to that. Sometimes when it's windy outside, I, could, I can hear the sound blowing up in the trees but then right where I'm at, I don't see nothing moving. But I still hear the sound of it till it gets to where I'm at. This is kind of what they were doing. They, they heard this mighty sound of this wind, 120 praying, meeting, waiting. And suddenly this sound like a blowing, violent wind coming from heaven fills the whole house where they're sitting and we've talked about the wind was the very first thing we talked about when I was teaching on the Spirit. And we are think about that again because in ancient languages of Hebrew, Greek, Latin, the wind oftenly symbolizes the Spirit. And you think about that, it works so good because wind, after all, is one of the most spiritual in appearance. It's invisible. It's mysterious. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. And that's just like the Spirit of God can move. We don't know when it's going to move in a service, when it's going to do some great things, what's going to happen, how long it's going to last. You know, we should come in expecting anything from the Lord to take place. And it has. I know you've been in services when you didn't have no idea what was going to take place in that service? We, we had an order of service, but maybe the Spirit wanted to change that order. Haven't you ever seen that happen? 
I've been in services where the, where the preacher was ready to preach, but he wasn't going to be doing the preaching that day. And it began one after another, things happening in the service and some great things take place. So when we think about this, this wind that came in, this appearance of this wind, this presence, this divine power of the Spirit, you know, we talked about, you remember the same way that God breathed into Adam the breath of life, God's spirit came into Adam. He became a, a living soul. So the breath of the nostrils of the man of God is the spirit of God. I want you to look at, I love the story in Ezekiel 37. You probably remember this, this thing that happened here in Ezekiel 37, and we'll pick up at verse number nine. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come out of four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Let me just stop because later on we'll see this, this uh, proclamation here from Jesus. We already read it today, how that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Now when you're seeing this word prophesy, then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to them, what, is it, what does that mean? He is just proclaiming, communicating something that's true, something that comes from divine authority. So if, if, if I was to really come to someone and say, listen, I want to tell you, Jesus is the son of God. and He's the only way to heaven. I'm really prophesying to them what the Bible says. That's all it amounts to. And so when we're telling the truth, when we're leading people, when we're talking to them about something very important that's from God, it's a prophesying thing. And he just said, listen, you need to say to the wind. And thus saith the Lord God, come out of four wind, north, south, east, west, breathe and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. I did what he said. I commanded the wind to do what it should do. And the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. All of these dead corpses laying out there. And he prophesied like the Lord asked him to do, and the breath of life came to them, and they stood up. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts. Now we know that this story means, talks about Israel. Uh, that God's going to breathe the breath of life back into them and they're going to do the things that they should be doing. I don't know about you, but I think that needs to happen across our land today. I think that the Spirit of God needs to move across people today and say, hey, get up. Let's go. Let's not fall asleep by the way. Let's get busy. Time's drawing nigh. Then therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into a land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And shall put, look at this, my spirit in you, and ye shall live. And I shall place you in your own land, and then you shall know that 
I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. You see, the Spirit of God, alive and well in our hearts and lives, makes all the difference. Makes all the difference in you personally, me personally, and in our church as a whole. And so we see the wind have that great effect. Even though the, the wind blows where it may, it cannot be controlled. I can't tell the wind, windy out there, I can't say, wait a minute, don't blow over here. Wait a minute, you can blow over there, but don't bother me. I ain't got no control over that. And the same thing was with the Spirit of God. We, we don't have control over who he's going to touch, who he's going to use, who he's going to work through. I think, it's, I think it's sad even in our churches today <clears throat> when people are moved by the Spirit of God to shout, say amen, stand up, wave their hand, and hear some poor soul sitting up here in front of them. What in the world is the matter with them? I can't believe they're doing that in church. You know what I think? I think it's like, well, I sure wish the Spirit would move on you, get you stirred up a little bit. I remember old Bruce used to highlight, well, glory. What made him do that? The Spirit of God moved in him. Boy, he just couldn't take it. And we got our sister that sits back there in the back. Boy, we go to singing. She's got to get up. And you can't just stay sitting down. But the Spirit of God's in her, and she just has got to move. And, this, and the thing is, God wants to move in all of our lives. So this wind, this 120 disciples, they're in the upper room and they're waiting for the comforter we talked about last time. And they're going to be empowered. They're going to do some great things. They had a commission and we do too. So the first sign that the Spirit of God was on the scene and was received was this sound of the wind in filling that place. So let's look at verse number three. This is the second sign, the fire. The fire. So verse three, there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Look at this, like as fire. So don't think that a flame of fire was, a fire was on, on their head burning. You remember what the, the, the wind? It was as the sound as the wind. Now we see the fire, but the fire, notice it, like as a fire. It was something that they could see. It, it was like I would take a picture of a flame, like that candle, it kind of looks like a flame on that bulb. And that, that would kind of be like you, they would see on top of their head. So this was, a, this was a sign, and I love this as I study more into it because it's important that we see. <clears throat> now the second sign, fire, was more focused on sight. So the wind they heard was sound, but now the fire they see. So Luke in verse 3 tells us they saw what seemed to be a tongue of fire. I can understand the shape of a flame like a tongue. Now, what, what made that important? How did they relate to that? 
How did that come across to them? Well, you go back in the Old Testament. Let's think about fire. You read the stories of Abraham. He saw a burning bush that was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. The Israelites were guided by a pillar of fire by night. The consuming fire was on Mount Sinai. The fire that hovered over the wilderness tabernacle. The fire at Mount Carmel. Every one of those instances of fire began to flash back in their minds. And now here they see the the tongues of fire on each head. So they are associating fire as a symbol of God's divine presence. All of those Old Testament things, when it happened, they knew. They saw that pillar of fire by night. They said, boy, this is, this is wonderful. We're not out here just wondering. We, we're being led by God. And when he saw the burning bush and the strange thing that it was on fire, but it didn't burn up, he realized, hey, that's a supernatural thing that only God could do. So they relate to this fire. So here they're seeing the fire as a fire, on the, and they're saying, hey, this is God. It's God doing something here. And so they're, they're starting to get what's going on here. <clears throat> Now, I will tell you something else about fire. Receiving this fire was a fulfillment of John the Baptist's promise because he said there was one coming after him. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He baptized you with what? the Holy Ghost, and look at it, with fire. So John prophesied it, John said it, and we find it again, you could go back in Acts and it said it in there, in there as well. So this implication here, that something more was taking place, they were starting to really get it. So fire relates to purification. And I like this about fire. And, and let's think about it. When someone is lost, they're not saved yet. What has to happen? They have to come under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that they are lost. They're sinners. And under that conviction, they realize that they need to have a change in their life. Now, what about ha what happens after we get saved? Fire also relates to purification. Purification. You know, the wonderful thing about fire, I, I love talking about it because I can remember when we used to go on <laughs> those horseback trips up in West Virginia, and it was so cold. And we'd be up there staying in what looked like Abraham Lincoln's cabin. I mean, it was pretty rough and cold. And then all of a sudden, somebody would make a beautiful, great, big old fire right there on top of that mountain. And man, we'd gather around that thing and get warm. 
And it, it just it just meant so much. And then they started cooking the meals later. I mean, it, it was it was a great thing to have. I remember one time it rained so hard we couldn't light the fire right there. Couldn't get a fire. And man, it was disappointed. So fire brings that warmth to us. It brings light to us. It would light up the darkness out there where there was no other lights. And then I think about as a Christian that does the same thing. The Holy Spirit with fire brings the warmth to our hearts. It brings the light on the inside. It ignites us with a passion that we have to go out and lead others to Christ and witness and point them to the Lord. I, I think that we all should pray, may a fire burn steadily in our life to destroy sin that's on the inside, to make us purified, that we can go out. Listen, if we don't ask the Lord to cl cleanse us of sins as Christians daily, you think about it now. How am I going to go out to somebody and say, listen, brother, I want to talk to you about Christ because you've got a lot of sin. You're, you're a sinner. You're lost. And I'm standing there talking to them, and I've got things in my own heart and life that are wrong. How can I? I won't have the, the, the passion to do that. I'll, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, what about you, buddy? <laughs> what about yourself? You better get yourself straight too. So I'm thinking what I need to do, what I try to do is ask the Lord to cleanse me, get me pure, and then I can go out and have the zeal to talk to someone else about Christ. Because I know I've gotten things straight between me and the Lord. So it is a very important thing that we don't let the flame die in our hearts and life and let that fire burn steadily because we live in a sinful world. We hear a lot of garbage. We see a lot of wicked things. We, we are affected by things. And if we don't ask for purification all the time and cleansing, then we're not where we should be. We know it. Holy Spirit lets us know those things. You think about this. Go back to the Old Testament where they always had sacrifices. What if they brought those turtle doves, they brought that ox, they brought that lamb, whatever they were going to sacrifice to the priest, and he said, I ain't got no fire going today. I can't, I can't burn your sacrifice. I don't have no fire. It would have been, it would have been no good. It would have been a waste to kill that animal because there was no fire to burn sacrifice. And so we need to realize we have to stay on top of things with the Lord and say, listen, I know it's a consuming fire. Not only will it save people, but it will help us as Christians. So we got to remember that truth that fire also represents the consuming judgment of God. <clears throat> and that's not an important subject for people to talk about. They don't like when you talk about judgment. But God will judge us, won't he? So the tongues of fire fell on all the people that were present. Every believer had a passion to be purified by the Spirit. 
and a conviction to preach to the lost before it's too late. That should be our prayer. That should be our desire. So we can come into our church buildings today. We can walk in one way, but we can walk out a different way. We can walk out realizing that we've been cleansed today. We've been helped today. And the Holy Spirit's spoken to us about whatever's in our life. We got that taken care of. And then he may be speaking to us about what he's going to do with us this week. People that we're going to come in contact with. Things that we're going to be associated with. And that Spirit of God, that fire burning on the inside is going to help us do the things that the Lord wants us to do. Well, I knew I wouldn't finish the lesson today. But we'll pick back up with the next important thing that's a sign and took place here in Acts chapter 2. But the important thing that I want you to try to remember today is this. God wants to do something all the time in our life. And we'll talk about the Spirit, what it should do in our life on a daily basis. And the sad thing is He wants to help a lot of people do a lot of things, but we people shut Him out. People do things that will not invite God's presence to work in our life and not tuned in with the Lord. But I'm glad we can come in today looking for something from God. He may use the song. He may use the message. He, he could use one of you to speak to someone else. You never know what God's going to do in a service. But if we're open and listening and letting the Spirit have its way in our life, some great things can happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.